what is your belief when it comes to learning and it comes to your students and your culture that you want in your classroom? It has to start there because if you just get yes. into to start planning stuff and it doesn't even align to what you believe in, there's going to be no substance and it's not going to be transformational at all. Hi, I'm Diane Sweeney, and I'm the author of The Essential Guide for Student-Centered Coaching and our newest book, Moves for Launching a New Year of Student-Centered Coaching. And I'm Brandon Lewis, an innovation and learning coach in Liberty, Missouri. And this is Student-Centered Coaching, the podcast, where we sit down with coaches and teachers to explore how they are supporting student learning. Our hope is that through sharing these stories, we can all grow together. Welcome everyone to our next episode of Student Center Coaching, the podcast. Diane, it's good to see you again. Good to see you too, Brandon. Um, I know that you have been traveling a lot. I know you've been working with a lot of districts and a lot of buildings. Um, how's that been going? It's been great. It's been a crazy, crazy school year, but it's starting to calm down and now's my chance to really be reflecting and thinking about next year and taking stock in this whole school year worth of learning that's happened. I know that when you're working with districts and on the road, you get uh, bombarded in, in a good way with constant like questions, thoughts from others, um, ways to, you know, they want ideas of how to solve certain problems that they have in their district, which I know probably is similar everywhere you go. What are some of the things that you feel like people have been coming to you with lately? That's an interesting question. And the biggest need, and this has happened the entire school year, has been questions about classroom management. And we always heard a little bit of that in the past, but it has gotten ever more pressing. Um, and coaches often times present that question with the mindset that they want to definitely be implementing student-centered coaching, but they also recognize that there are these needs in classrooms, um, in student behaviors and classroom management that can't be ignored. And they're just trying to find a way through that. And that's been the thing I've, I've been struck by this year for sure. One of the assistant principals I am fortunate enough to work with is very passionate about this area. And she always says, it's a missing skill. And that's what we need to help them with. Whether it's a third grader who is struggling with reading or a third grader who's struggling with um, controlling their body or something like that, it is, it's a missing skill and that's what we need to help them with. And you know what's cool about that is that is not putting it on the, on the student in the sense of blaming or shaming kids it feels to me like there's room there for us to get better in our work to meet the need, just like we would as, with a student who has a reading need or a writing need or a math need, is we can organize ourselves to go after those things in a way where we're, I, I just love that. I think it makes sense from an asset-based, strengths-based perspective. Um, and, you know, we just, we just know that it's third graders, but it's also 11th graders and it's yeah. the use of technology in classrooms 
And it's the bite-sized attention span some of our kids have now. I mean, there are all kinds of reasons for this, but I mm -hmm. guess this question actually came, it was, it really struck me when I was working with, um, I've worked with battleground schools in Washington for a while. And one of their coaches, BJ said, the gap is getting bigger and bigger between the teachers who have uh, really strong classroom environments where behaviors aren't an issue and the classrooms where their behaviors are an issue. And um, he said, the, this is, he just, he just said it's worrying him as a coach. And so we're really trying to think about how do we get ahead of this? Kind of like I'm hearing that assistant principal may be thinking about it, but how can we, how can we maybe coach into this a little bit and not necessarily veer off course with student-centered coaching, but do it in a way that still complements our framework and our model? I think there's a really cool opportunity here. Um, yeah, and I, I think so too. And I think uh, it's time to talk about it now because we have got to start thinking about this already crazily enough as we approach a new year of school in the fall. Yeah. One, one thing you just said caught my attention too. You didn't, you didn't say classroom management. And I don't know if you specifically didn't say that or not, but you said their classroom environment and some that have really strong ones and some that maybe don't. And that's the gap. And I love that because again, I don't think it, it's a matter of managing stuff. It really is helping to create that environment that truly is fostering like that love of learning and that excitement. And so, so much, I feel like when we think of the term management, we maybe just think of behaviors only, but I love that you said environment because I think that opens it up to so much more because we do know and we see it every day that when kids are engaged and super interested and passionate in what they are learning, there's going to be um, fewer disruptions and stuff like that, even for the kids that do have some missing skills because they are so excited and engaged in what they're doing. Environment certainly is a great word for it. I think culture is another way to think about it. Classroom yeah. culture, um, classroom community is another way to think about right. it, which would obviously include things like rituals and routines and structures and some things that may be in that classroom management um, bucket of procedural type mm -hmm. things. But I think we can't limit ourselves to that. We have to figure out how to help teachers build classrooms where kids feel safe, like they have a voice, there's respect from and among kids, toward kids, among kids. There's deep engagement and meaningful work, which you were kind of just alluding to. I guess I'd look at it like a sense of belonging creates better behavior. And why not coach a little bit around this? Like, there's no reason we can't. I just right. think there's there's opportunity here. Yeah, I um, agree. Yeah. So, something that she said again to me just recently was, we don't get mad at a kid when they don't know how to read. So why is it that we can allow other missing skills to be something that maybe frustrates us or gets us upset as a teacher to where we feel like we don't know how to handle them or something like that to where when it's lacking number sense or struggling with early literacy, like we, we feel equipped to go ahead and handle that because we see it as a missing skill, but sometimes we don't, we don't maybe see the behaviors as missing skills. 
Um, and that is something that she is really trying to get across um, to the teachers in our building that like they are missing skills and that's what we need to help them with. Again, the ownership is on the teacher to create the space where students can thrive. We can't blame kids who have missing, who have gaps. And right. All kids have gaps. That's just, right. it's just the truth of the matter. So why are we surprised when that happens, you know? You mentioned earlier how you don't see why this shouldn't be something we coach into. What do you see that looking like? Well, I'm thinking a lot about that as the very beginning of the school year work, that being a sacred space for this to happen. There is a window of opportunity for a teacher to build a classroom culture. And I'm talking more, I'm, I'm not just talking about the fun little activities we do at the beginning of the year where kids learn each other's names. I mean, that's one piece of it. I'm talking about much more crafting of a classroom culture. And that has to start on the first day of school. That has to start with the first interaction a teacher has with students. And so there is kind of a dead period oftentimes when we're talking about student-centered coaching at the very beginning of the year when it comes to coaching cycles. I mean, obviously there's plenty for us to be doing as coaches, but coaching cycles aren't gonna necessarily start on the first day of school. What if this is what started on the first day of school? What if instead we had organized ourselves and I can definitely, we can talk about how we can do that, but we can organize ourselves to have a clear vision with teachers to support them, to build that culture. And I think it would look like co-planning and co-teaching just like we always do. Sounds a lot like a coaching cycle. It could be. I mean, the coaching cycle, you know, we always have those learning targets or the success criteria with a coaching cycle. What if in this case, the success criteria was, what does a strong classroom culture look like to you as a teacher? What if we started there? Yeah. Because you can definitely break that apart um, as with a teacher, but then also even co-creating that with students. Um, yes. And what a great way to not only get them to see um, what it would take to be successful as a classroom community together, but also even the practice of we're going to break this down and co-construct together to show them that we're going to do this throughout the year when it comes to other pieces of learning. We're going to do yes. this together. Yes, it connects to the learner dispositions work. What does it mean to be a learner? Then I know you've done a ton of work around Brandon. It's the co-construction with students would be an incredibly important piece of it. What does it mean to be a culture? What does it mean to be safe in this classroom? Safe enough to put my, to be maybe the, you know, productive struggle and connecting to that. There's just so much opportunity here. And it's neat because what we're talking about right now doesn't just apply to brand new teachers. It certainly would help a brand new teacher. I wish somebody had done this with me on my first year of teaching. I had no idea how to start. I, I, I don't even remember what I did. I'm sure it was dumb, whatever I did the first <laughs> week of school. But um, I, I think this applies to teachers who just want to have an, amaz an amazing year of lots of robust learning. And they want to set it up from day one and have a partner in that. So I'm pretty excited about this because I think this could change the trajectory of 
what a school year feels like for a lot of teachers, given that they would be supported from day one to just, and you know, this also connects to trauma-informed instruction, by the way. I mean, that's the other piece is that we're dealing with some trauma in some schools these days. And having a safe environment is the biggest, most important factor for yeah. trauma-informed research-based instruction. So this is good, not just for teachers. So teachers have a great year. <laughs> this is actually good for kids to have a great year and to feel safe as learners. And, and you know, I just... This is pretty exciting to me. I'm curious. Can I ask you a question, Brandon? Because I'm yeah, curious. For sure. If you wanted to do this and think about this as a version of a coaching cycle that starts on day one, what would you have to be doing now with teachers to get this established? I feel like right now, as we are looking at early May, as you and I are talking and recording this, I know it won't come out um, right at the first of May, but I'm looking at knowing we have anywhere from three to four weeks left of school based on where we live. I feel like the conversations need to start now. Um, and honestly, I would really start at the very beginning, which is something I'm really passionate about, which is really like the, the, the conversation with the teacher, the question of what, like, what is your belief when it comes to learning and it comes to your students and your culture that you want in your classroom? It has to start there because if, you just get yes. into just start planning stuff and it doesn't even align to what you believe in. There's going to be no substance and it's not going to be transformational at all. So at this point in the year, I would be starting about that. And then following the beliefs, the next, the next place I would go is, well, what does your current practices look like in this area? And then comparing that up against your beliefs. And then that's going to start your planning. You're going to see the gaps there. And then you're going to start filling that gap in those conversations leading up to the start of the year. Yes. Starting with beliefs makes so much sense. What do you believe kids learning looks like? How do you, what do you believe the, where do you believe the ownership is in mm -hmm. learning with kids? Things like that. Yeah. So who would you invite into this work or how would you invite people into this work as, as a coach in a school? Um, I know we, we talked about this a little bit in our last episode with just the culture for coaching. I think if you have that strong culture established, I think it could be really easy to even send something out to the staff to say, hey, this is something I'm thinking about. Who's interested in, in, in kind of sitting down and talking about what this can look like and what we would need to do to starting now um, in May? Or again, based on the culture, if you have the relationships with certain teachers where based on conversations in the past, you know this is something that they want to get better at, I think it might be okay to approach some of those teachers and say, Hey, I remember those conversations and struggles you said you were having. Like, what if we work on this together and really try to help launch next year the way you really want it to look? Let's drill down a little bit because you just said put something out there and see if the te if teachers are interested. What would be the verbiage or how would you articulate what this thing is we're talking about today? I think it would sound something like um just encouraging the fact that as, as much as we know we want to plan over the, you know, the end of May or even throughout the summer of content, 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 we know that that's not going to happen well if that culture is not established. And maybe, maybe we should take some time to, to think about what that's going to look like at the very beginning to, um, to truly establish that culture of learning and that culture of trust and belonging that we really want to see um, from our classroom community that way that way that it can actually happen throughout the year. 
Yeah, and the research on that is interesting. I heard a teacher of the year interviewed on this and she was saying that if she, her colleagues, she was a high school teacher and she was saying her colleagues were kind of chuckling behind her back because she was taking so much time building her classroom culture. And then sure enough, she started lapping them on the learning rate um, and, and her students learning the content because she took the time at the beginning of the year. And I'm thinking about this through a secondary lens. In a normal coaching cycle, we might just be in a classroom with a secondary teacher in one block or one period or one prep a day, this might be something where we're in there a little bit more preps and more periods because it's less content specific. So it could be that we'd want to be really actively in classrooms quite a lot so that we have an opportunity to make sure that all these different student dynamics that you get, you know, from period seven to period one, it's very different in a, in a right. you know, kids are half asleep in period one and period seven, they're ready to get the heck out of there. Yeah. So that could be interesting. And I also think, I know I'm kind of going down the secondary lane, lane, but that's what you just said made me think about that when you said content, 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 wow. that's what led me to think about this. Another piece is to be really, really careful about the roles of the coach in the classroom so that kids, this, this would be less important in an elementary setting, but so that kids don't see this teacher as needing help um, because this other person is in here. So somehow there would have to be an introduction to the coach in the classroom, why they're there, because the kids don't really even have a relationship with the teacher yet. So they may be on high alert thinking, oh great, now I have the teacher who needs that other adult in watching what they're doing or monitoring how well they're teaching. So there is a sensitivity um, in secondary settings about that other person in the room. So just something to be thinking about. I think we could definitely get around that. I just think we'd have to talk upfront with kids about this coach is working with me on this thing and I asked for it and I wanted this because I really want to give you guys the space to be the learners that you can be and and just be careful and deliberate about that piece. But content is always the pressure in that environment. Yeah, you say that about um, being being leery of like what the students might think if it's on day one. But I mean, I think that even in the elementary world, that's why I think coaches are reluctant to spend so much time with one teacher at the beginning. You know, it's out of fear of like, this isn't going to be my environment the rest of the year it's it's the one that the teacher is going to have to to live in the rest of the year you know and you're we right might partner at different times but this is this is their culture they're establishing so i do feel like that's still the hesitation that some coaches have to do a lot of deep work with teachers on day one but i do think that we can be careful with the way we do it um and i don't think that that should have to be a factor I'm so glad you brought that up because that's exactly, I hadn't thought about it like this. What we've always done is we've given teachers space. Right. To create that community, that culture for themselves, mm -hmm. which holy, in some ways, I really regret that because maybe we let some teachers down by just assuming they needed space. And so let's loop back to what you were saying about how, if you have a culture for coaching, you could very easily then say, hey, who wants to do this with me? And, and any teacher, new veteran, anything at all, an experienced teacher, anything at all, I'll work with whomever is interested. 
that is leaning into a space we've been hesitant to lean into for I think those assumptions that we thought people needed to space. I don't know, that's just super interesting to me to think about how we may have missed an opportunity. Yeah, I do agree with that. There's almost even a weird parallel with um, with new teachers in that too. I was doing my, I'm getting real personal here. I was doing my year-end evaluation with my boss yesterday. And one of the goals that I kind of set for myself for next year involved new teachers, because I said, I feel like I almost want to give them some space and some leeway because this is theirs. So in doing that, I almost set up the norm of not being there too often. And then it kind of just backs away more and more and more. Like I want to find that perfect amount of time to be there. So I feel like we can almost honestly kind of look at that at the beginning of the year with other teachers too, Mm -hmm. not being afraid of being in there at the beginning um, because we might be doing a disservice by missing a great opportunity. Well, then that leads me to think about we can still be there and have the ownership be with them because we always work with coaches to get smart about things like not driving the conversation, asking clarifying and open-ended questions, building on the ideas of others. And so that would apply here too. So it's not like I'm taking over your classroom and showing you how to start the year. I'm just your partner in that work, just like we always are. Right. And I I think of, again, something else. I'm glad we're having this conversation because I'm like, here I am taking my own notes now on like what I need to be doing (laughs) at the beginning of the year that's different. Talk about us as like, as evidence collectors, it'd be, I mean, it's unreal the amount of evidence we can have as far as the way students are interacting with each other, the ones that maybe haven't opened, haven't opened their mouth and shared lately, or the ones that are oversharing, or, I mean, there's so many things we could be looking for that while the teacher is guiding the conversations or guiding the activities, um, we could be, you know, behind them collecting that evidence for them to talk about later. Yeah. Yeah. The evidence collection could be on how students are engaging. Right. Yeah. Do you think we do a pre and post assessment on this? That's the one question I have is, you know, in a normal coaching cycle, we always say the goal. So let's, let's walk this out. So the goal would be um, students will craft and participate or in, in, you know, I don't know, something about a classroom culture. I was just, I was thinking even, yeah, students, students create a classroom environment where, and then you could almost even lay out the criteria. Yeah. It's really focused around big overarching goal is classroom, classroom culture, right? And then the success criteria of what that would look like, which is our normal process. Those are those learning targets. I wonder if, when we think about the traditional way we usually pre and post assess a coaching cycle, if we might have to be a little bit more creative about how we think about that in this case, I don't know if we want to be pre-assessing students about classroom culture on the first day of school, which would be what might be interpreted as what we would have to do here. I think we could possibly ask students questions like, what does it mean to be an engaged learner? Or um, what does it mean to, like, what does the classroom feel like when you feel like you're at your best as a learner? Like we could capture some assessment evidence at the beginning and we could certainly compare that at the end. 
I just don't know if we're going to have like an academic assessment on this like we normally do. I do think we could be creative and pre and post assess, but I think this is going to be a shorter coaching cycle. When you're thinking of that goal, I almost feel like because individual students are kind of coming together to lead to this when it comes to creating this environment, I almost wonder if it'd be if it'd be interesting for students to have their own individual goal of like, what is it going to take for you to be a part of this environment? And they could even learn to start tracking some of their own evidence that can show if they're doing this or not. I think that could be pretty fascinating. I think you should totally try that. (laughs) I love that idea. And that's so your jam. I also wonder if the goal for this, you know, we always start our coaching cycle goals with students will learn. Here it might be, our class will like, yeah, I, I think I like that. more of a community focus than an individualistic focus. Yeah. We think about these classroom commitments that we make. It's almost like taking that commitment, but we're going to make this much, much larger and much more broad and over time, rather than like a short-term commitment of today, I'm going to make sure I listen before I speak or something like that. That could be your pre and post. You could have kids write commitments or, I mean, assuming they're old enough to do this, I guess you could do co-constructed or do it on their own um, commitment. Like what are the commitments as a member of this classroom? Uh, what is their take on that at the very, on the first day of school? What does it mean to be a learner in this classroom? And you may get things like um, sit in my seat, raise my hand. And then what does it mean to be a learner in this classroom at the end of this work? That could be fascinating to see. I mean, this goes right back into what you were saying earlier about the dispositions. Like those are the questions you ask when you're learning about dispositions and even some of the instruction that would take place, right? To help them with this. Um, And how have I done that? How have I shown up as a learner? Like what's some evidence? And there's your evidence. I know Uh this is is May, but I'm already like really getting excited about this. (laughs) I know. That's why we had to squeeze this last podcast in the school year because- we literally were thinking, you know, now or never. We don't want to wait a year to talk about this. And I do think this invitation has to go out to teachers. Now as teachers are hoping next year's a better year. I'm just going to say you yeah. will get a lot of folks um, lighting up for this kind of support if it's framed properly. Yeah, I will say that there's already a teacher that I'm working with where our focus of our conversations right now are on next year. And a lot of the pieces we're talking about, we've had some of these conversations already. And I do agree. I think people, and it's not like you're giving up on this year or you're doing a disservice to your current students. It's not that at all. We all just go through different cycles of what we focus on maybe when we're during our plan time or before school or after school. And I do think that where this is a time of reflection, a lot of times that also that reflection catapults into next year. And that's why some of that reflection takes place. So I think this is a great time to be doing that. Yeah, I agree. Well, so just to summarize, I guess the timeline for this, get teachers kind of excited, start having conversations with them about what would this look like? Maybe even start building the success criteria and starting to plan how will the coach be introduced to the students? How will, um, what might be the progression of instruction or skill building? 
uh, how might what might the pre and post assessment be and I think Brandon what we should do is part two when school when the school year starts maybe invite a coach into this conversation who maybe tried this and kind of see what what it all ended up looking like since this is a very early early idea and I did want to also mention one last thing is we did include in, a chapter on this in the in our book moves for launching a new year of student-centered coaching we have a chapter called support teachers to build classroom communities so we've been thinking about this a little longer it's just been coming coming up so much lately um and there are some language stems there as a resource for a coach and teacher to use together or a coach to use with teachers so there's some support there on this if people want and there's some artifacts and links to things and all kinds of um there's a video in there um about how we engage students to build classroom community or teachers to build classroom communities so there's a resource in that if people want to just start wrapping their head around the idea we yeah. talked about today uh two things first of all love the idea of wrapping this up with a second part in the fall um that could be really powerful to hear from different coaches maybe it's even multiple coaches like just little short chunks of you know how did this yeah. look and what's coming from that um and two going back to your book that did come out almost a year ago a lot of people who are listening maybe already did read it but what i'm excited about now is again over the summer reading it again through a like you know a fresh lens to to start it again i do think that it's it's a text that can be read you know more than just that one time to really focus on different areas or something like that because i'm a different coach now than i was a year ago um, yeah. and i know everyone listening probably feels the same way and we pressed our editorial team to get that book out fast and it literally came out right when school was starting so i think now is a great opportunity to take it like you said take a look back at it because again the title is moves for launching a new year of student-centered coaching meaning it's all about starting the year strong and this is one of many things coaches can do for that well brandon thank you for being my thought partner on this idea, it's been germinating and germinating. And I just felt like we could just get on today and uncover this and figure out what might this look like? How would you do this being an actively, you know, a coach in two schools? I just know you have so much perspective. And um, I think this is just the beginning of something pretty cool. So thank you for being a part thought partner for me. And I'm, I just think this was a great, great timing for us to have this conversation. You know that, and I've talked about this before, my favorite thing about being a part of this podcast is the fact that I get to talk to so many different coaches um, or authors to selfishly be able to grow my own practice um, when it comes to coaching. The focus is 100% on a topic that I'm like, okay, boom, I'm going to go, I'm going to take that, I'm going to run with it. So selfishly, I'm super happy we talked about this. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And to all of you that are out there listening again, I know you are either starting your last week or in your last month um, of the year. Um, congrats on that and finish strong. And I hope that you are able over the summer to uh, one unplug, but then also in the times that you feel ready, be able to recharge yourself um, and grow in some areas that you're passionate about and you want to learn more about. And I have to give a shameless plug here then because our Facebook community is an awesome place to 
find other people who are also just wanting to think about this stuff and talk about this stuff. So if you haven't jumped on there, not only joining, that's a, that's the first step, obviously, but activate in there and post things and share things. And we want to get your voice in the mix. So please join us there if you are interested. Yeah, we'll go ahead and we will actually link um, how to do that uh, in the description of this podcast. And I, I will say, Diane, one of my... Uh, one of my hopes and aspirations for this is like right now, this is a conversation between you and I only. I want it to be more than just the two of us. So um, whether it is uh, on the thread of a tweet about this episode or in um, the Facebook group, that is a great conversation for um, for conversation. And yeah. I really do hope um, that happens. And I hope that we can be able to engage with others when it comes to that as well, because we are just two people who are having ideas right here in the moment that um, I know there's some other people that um, have a lot of fun things to share. Absolutely. So we'll see you out there in social media land. Take care, Diane. Thanks. Take care, Brandon. Student-Centered Coaching, the podcast is brought to you by Diane Sweeney Consulting. For more information, visit dianesweeney.com. Music is brought to you by Clemency. You can check them out at clemencyonline.com. There you can find more information on how to download their music. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast where podcasts are found and follow us on Twitter at SC Coaching Pod.